Good afternoon and welcome to Open Air and good afternoon, Ashwini. Hey, Michael. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon on this warm day here in California at least. Well, it's warm here in Scrim, but I bet it's no more warm than you. It's much less warm than you are. <laughs> yes, yes. And I have announcements here, unless there's something else you'd like to start us with? No, that's perfect. Okay. Reflective Listening Buddies is one of our longest-lived and most popular programs for a reason. There is no other support quite like it for practicing presence, with participants required to show up for themselves and another every week for 30 minutes. A new quarter starts July 15th. Is conditioning talking you out of a commitment that you really want to keep? If so, and if you would like some support, sign up for the Keeping Commitments Buddy Program, which begins July 15th. Participants will be paired with a buddy for accountability and support during this kind and compassionate training. And for these and other practice opportunities, visit livingcompassion.org. And a few reminders for today's show. If you'd like to get in the queue to talk with Ashwini, please press star six and then one to make a show. And a conversation on one topic, please, in about five minutes would be great. Okay, Ashwini, I think we're ready here. Are you still there, Ashwini? Yes, I am. Okay, great. First caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Chris calling from Boston. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, Ashwini. Hi, Michael. So I'm practicing uh, showing up without um, particular <laughs> preparation. Mm-hmm. Cue practice. Uh, well, or practice for life, right? <laughs> you can't prepare. <laughs> My just must be here. Right. And even um, I, I had my finger was getting pulled magnetically to the um, the hang up button because it was so, it was you caught me right in the nick of time because it was so close to you know oh you don't have anything prepared so you know you can't bear to get on and not know what you'll say mm-hmm. yeah it's a very that is egos uh, that is the way the ego shows up right you can't do this you can't do that yeah and it's got and and my and Chris you make such an important point that we tend to forget that uh there's so much energy in conditioned that the, the energy of life is being used by conditioned mind. It almost has a momentum of its own. And if we're not paying attention, it does result in action, right? Put the, press the button and you're out of the queue. Because if you're listening to that all the time, there's a momentum towards that behavior. I, that is, we go unconscious and, and ego pushes the button through us, right? There's weight to thought. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, it it was in in a little intense. I mean, it was um, mm-hmm. a lot of um, 
like fluttering uh, feeling, like mm-hmm. not in a good way. <laughs> like a, mm-hmm. I'm about to give a speech or something. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, Sherry always says could be relabeled as anticipation and excitement, not necessarily anything like dread, right? Right. Because it's momentum. the same sensation. If you're, yes, well, if there's excitement, then, I mean, there's the same sensation. Excitement has the same sensation as dread. So we might as well call it excitement. And, yes, momentum is, is that thought momentum that can execute on conditioned behavior, right? We so believe what the voices are saying, we just do what, what it says. And so, okay, well, if you don't have anything to say and you're not prepared, that's a terrifying thought. Let's just take us take you out of the queue and, and the button is pressed and then we're out of the queue. And so it's so good to be able to stay still through it all, right? To stay, to stay still, to notice it, and not be executed by ego as the program. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, be executed by ego as the program. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> executed yeah. on all levels. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and and it goes in the other direction um, with. I because I, I just dropped in. Um, I was doing um, a push-up once when I was getting started with fitness, and I remember being in already in the push-up, like I'm already doing it, and the voice in my head is saying, "I can't," and I, it's like, "Well, I'm already. You're late. I'm already mm-hmm. doing it." Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. To have that experience is also salutary because it allows us to see two things. One, when ego overplays its hand, right? When you're in the experience so fully and you can, you're paying attention to the fact that you're doing a push-up and it tells you you can't. It's so ludicrous because of the difference between your experience and the voice. So that's a good moment to be present to because it's only then we have the experience of not having to believe what it says. Yeah? And then, of yeah, course... Yep. Um, Go ahead. Well, just the, the it's like another, because the momentum is like there, you know, just kind of rolling along, never really exercising, even though I would like to. And that took a lot to break out of that momentum, too, into the, mm-hmm. you know, still, it's mm-hmm. still chasing me with its, um, you know, I can't do it even while I'm already doing it there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And so to, to, to keep noticing the process of the contradiction between what is true, what is di- my direct experience versus what I'm told and what I tend to believe. Right. Well, and the more important one, I mean, one, so it, it's, a, it's a progression, right, Chris? We watch where we're completely identified, we just push the button, we take ourselves out of the queue, we identify with ego. That was our state of uh, being or existence before (laughs) practice, right? And then you come to practice and you start noticing these things. And even when you notice, you push, the the button gets pushed and you get taken out of the uh, the queue and you feel absolutely bad. And then, then we see that, okay, well, I fell for it this time. And then you are at the place where, you can watch it all and feel all the sensations and the compulsion and the momentum and all of it, and it still can't take you out. 
And that's that place of it's telling you you can't do the push-up while you're doing the push-up, and you can go, yeah, that's really not my experience. I'm doing the push-up. <laughs> right? And then we have that place on a choice level where our ability to make the choice for our experience over our beliefs becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. But we don't believe it. Right. Any, any, um, you know, anytime ego will try to tell me that um, practice is not uh, dynamic, active, um, takes guts, it, I, that's definitely not true. It was another kind of fitness to not move my finger. <laughs> it really, that was a whole other kind exactly of fitness right. too. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and I think Sherry just said this in, in the email, in one of the email class responses about the uh, – there's there's a there's the body, there's the mind, there's the spirit, there's the energy. Everything is exercised, right? I mean, you have to be mentally fit in order to be able to not listen to ego. You have to be physically fit in order to lift weights. And we have spiritual fitness, which is directing the attention. So you're absolutely right. It's it. a completely it's a completely different kind of fitness, and the fitness is. Uh, exercising awareness. I never thought I'd put uh, so much presence into not <laughs> moving my finger right before. So glad to be here and glad to have um, practiced that. Yes, it, it has far-reaching applications. I mean, my favorite experience of that is for the longest time when I was meditating and not meditating in group, I would set my timer and mm. watch the thought going, is it over? How many more minutes? Is it over? How many more minutes? And, and inevitably, it would, it would reach such a level of crescendo that I would reach for the timer to look at how many more minutes. And it was a progression from that, that conversation starting three minutes in to the conversation starting 29 minutes and 33 seconds in to the sit. And inevitably, I would, I mean, that's when you feel really bad, right? You've sat for 29 minutes and 33 seconds and then it starts to get at you and then you look at the timer and then there comes the self-hate to siphon all the energy and go, wait, you couldn't have waited 20 seconds more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. It's kar- kar- the literal translation of the word karma means action, but it's thought, not necessarily you know, physical action. There's the way to the karma. Well, it, it's worth, like I think an old open-air uh, advertisement, um, athlete, spiritual athletes in the game of life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. Executing what you have committed to. That's the elite athlete of awareness practice, right? which means that if I put myself in the queue, if I'm going to put myself in the queue, conditioning can come at me with whatever it's got, but I'm putting myself in the queue. Right. Bring it on, conditioning. That's right. Well, well here's glad to, practice to have practice. Success, Chris. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> glad to have <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, gosh, oh. <laughs> go happy. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for joining us, Chris. And Ashwini, what dropped in was the restraint and religious observances, the restraint from hanging up or getting out of the queue. 
it's uh, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that the rest- the restraint that is finding to not giving into the voices, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And we have another caller okay. here. All right. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Um, hi, this is Brian from Albuquerque. Hey, Brian. Hi, hey. Brian. Hello. Um, so, oh, so much content. Um, the process, well, where to start? Uh, so my wife moved out two weeks ago, and we just moved here earlier in the year, and I'm, and she's not interested in going back to therapy again with me, and, or she says she's not, and so uh, it's a pretty intense workshop on beliefs and presence and you know, showing up for each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I have, you know, at a retreat, I can't remember when, but it was at the monastery, and, you know, and, and Sherry said something to the effect of not getting the big store of energy all built up again for conditioning to harvest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can just see it trying to do that. You know, there's decisions to be perfect that are put in front of me, and there's decisions I, you know, I could, a whole lot of, well, if I say this, maybe that'll fix it. If I say that, maybe it'll fix it. And um, uh-huh. I guess I just want to drop in with that is like, you know, maybe it's okay just right now just to be with the sadness and, see, and not have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So let me see if I'm, uh, I'm tracking, Brian. So there's, so there's an event in your life. In this case, uh, your wife moved out. And... What you're noticing is is probably an old Id- an identity, uh, the person who was in this relationship and had these circumstances and this shape to their life. There's a yeah. disintegration of that because the circumstances have changed. And when there's a disintegration, there's a lot of energy because it takes a lot of energy to maintain a shape, right? Maintain a person, <laughs> maintain ego. And that energy is, is dissolving and you can watch how ego wants to recreate itself again because there's a vacuum. There's a dissolving of something that, that was, uh, was taking energy, you could say. And so you're noticing that process of, wait a second, here's conditioning coming in, in all of these various ways, the process of suffering, looking for content in order to maintain itself. And something that Cherry said at one time at the monastery is dropping in for you as an alternative. Well, maybe I don't have to give any of it any attention and allow for it for allow 
allow attention to be on the experience as it is rather than the process that is attempting to recreate an identity, the same one or a different one. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I see, yes, what I see in it that's, you know, I, and I think it's probably just a basic bamboozle that is compelling and believable is that what I see in it is that I have this very, very strong belief and backed up with a whole bunch of experiences that being in relationship in this, in a committed, this relationship where, you know, we go to, gone to Imago therapy and I loved it and it seemed really beneficial and helpful and it seems, it seems spiritually, it seems like a, a, a high and worthy challenge and opportunity to have a spiritually committed relationship in life and have the other person decide don't or well you know again I don't know anything but as of today no interest in trying to continue that mm-hmm. yeah there's something there it feels like this a very like, and I don't, you know, I mean, basically, I'm having a hard time disidentifying from something that I want to be true, and I don't, I don't want that to be different. I like, I, there's, it seems wholesome, it seems healthy, it seems decent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you suffering, Brian, as a result of not wanting to let that go? Yes. Well, I'm suffering. I don't know if it's a result of not wanting to let that go or not. But, I mean, I don't know that I can't hold those things to be true, that relationship is loving and decent and worthwhile if the people in it are willing to do that. I don't know. I think that's sort of part of the suffering is conditioning, saying, yep, that was BS. You got hooked on that. You need to let that go because that's not realistic. That's not the way it works. I think that conversation is there in a big part of the suffering. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, because, you know, our words can be taken out of context. I think what you're saying is this is the process that you're articulating. So, there, again, you don't know anything, right? But the conversation that is self-hating is, okay, you have this belief about the wholesome nature of a, of a spiritual relationship in which uh, both of you are working towards, uh, towards being in a good relationship. And... There's a conversation that can hook you by saying, wait a second, you got snookered into that, and so what kind of a person are you? And there's the, um, there's the struggle also, how can that not be true? I mean, there's that, that I don't want to give that up. But the point is, all of it isn't a conversation. So the, the central thing that we're always looking at is it doesn't matter what the content of the conversation is, whether it's spiritual or not, whether it's wholesome or not, whether it's uh, the right thing or not, whether you're letting go of it or not, or whether you're a loser for not letting go of it or not, or whether you have the belief or not. Everything's happening in the conversation. And so the suffering happens because we're in the conversation. 
It doesn't yeah. matter what conversation. My attention is not here. Right. And, so the and figuring it out process is in the conversation. And so to recognize the first bamboozle is that if my attention is trying to resolve the various threads of the conversation in conditioned mind, it's not here now for this. Um, yes, and in... Well, many moments throughout the day, there's kind of awareness of that because I, you know, I have been practicing with this for a while and have the benefit of having the recorder available or just mm -hmm. dropping, coming to the breath. That's part of my practice, you know, and just like getting it, oh, it's conversation. So it's really helpful to recognize that. The other, the other thing that dropped in when you were saying that is just the conditional nature of what I'm hurting over. It's like the conditions, like, mm -hmm. oh, if I'd have done it better, it wouldn't have been this way. If, mm -hmm. if she, mm -hmm. you know, if she was a little braver, then it wouldn't be this way. There's all of this if-then that gets that pulls me into the conversation where the suffering is. Mm -hmm. That well, makes, and that's so self-hating, yeah. right? Right. It is pure self-hate, right, Brian? Right. Because if you think about it, there's nothing to deny that this is a painful place for you. I mean, you've just had your life upended in some way. It's challenging. This is something that you have, you, you know, your heart, there's deep love involved. However, the love has gotten mutated by the conditional. And so the if if you were witnessing someone else going through this, as you would, as you said, there would be tremendous compassion for the suffering of the person. The, the, the acknowledgement of the difficulty and the challenge and the painful circumstances, along with all of the 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 torture that the voices are heaping on it, and then the last thing you would want is someone to come and and say in a hateful way, "My God, you could have done it differently." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. The uh the the conditional nature of it, the if I don't have this marriage after having the prior marriage that didn't, you know, till death us did part, um that means something that is um believable enough that I get pulled into it. I mean, I th I would say actually the same. I know that conversation also of criminy. Did I set the timer or not? Here it is. I'm sitting. Time has passed. And that whole conversation, it's just another conversation, right? It's not, it doesn't matter what it's about. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I think both, there are several things you're saying that are important insights. Regardless of the content of the conversation, however believable it is, because I have been conditioned to believe, believe it, it's still a conversation and it has my attention and the only payoff there is suffering, right? Because it re if, if, if I'm listening to it and believing it, I'm suffering. If I'm listening to it, and have my attention on it, it's reinforcing itself and increasing its capacity to get me. 
all roads there lead to hell. Right. So that's one that's a valid place. And that place of the recognition that my well being is conditional is what it's reinforcing essentially. So here's my opportunity to go up against the conditional, the conversation that my well being is conditional and have a direct experience of my well-being as unconditional. Which I think takes us back to what you, were, what you started out with about Sherry pointing to. We don't want to, here's my workshop, right? I could go back to having my well-being be conditional by arranging my life circumstances in order for that to happen and then find out again <laughs> that my well-being is not conditional. I mean, I have that workshop over and over again till I get that my well-being is not conditional, right? Right. And so to recognize, yeah, it's compelling. I fall for it. I fall for when I'm told that this marriage or the next marriage or a loving relationship or two people working it out together is the only road to spiritual salvation. Well, it's not my experience right now. My experience right now is I don't have it. And therefore, this is my best opportunity to face those beliefs and face the suffering and face the self-hatred in, as a way, perhaps, to arrive at maybe not. And that takes, I mean, that takes practice and that takes patience and that takes a tremendous compassion to stay with the human being going through that process as the belief disintegrates, as the identity dissolves. Yeah, it's everything. And then you can choose. Then you can choose to be with anybody because then right. it's a choice based on well-being being unconditional, and then whatever happens happens, rather than making the choice because or for well-being from the basis of the premise of my well-being is based on my performance in X Y Z relationship or job or whatever it is that it we're told is what is the condition on which the well-being is based. Yeah, it just seems like it's every, every bit of guidance about being the good, right person isn't what's being pointed at, is what's being pointed at again right now. That, that you can't, you know I mean? Yes, that, right, the, the, the guidance is always, <laughs> yeah, it's take care of Brian bring a tremendous compassion to what he's going through because that is the unconditional love that is being looked for. And if it's provided in that circle of compassion where the unconditional is available to the suffering in you, that's what will set you free. Because it's not that the unconditional is also an abstract out there like a relationship, right? I mean, we keep talking about unconditional love, but the unconditional love is a direct experience that is a specific movement, the movement of attention from, uh, from suffering to compassion, to the mentor. When we do that, when we practice that, what are we, um, what are we reinforcing? We're reinforcing the unconditional love that is us, that is animating us, it's now available and experienced. Well, thank you. That's, uh, it seems like just, you know, noticing the conversation as a conversation is 
one way of being kind with this human being. And, and sort of another way of looking at the same thing maybe is noticing the conditional is conditional and that okay. unconditional is what is sort of the bigger truth that is like the reality of it. And mm-hmm. that seems very comforting and yeah. like, like it's a place to hold on to. You know, I, you know, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's like the breath, you know, the breath. Uh, it's a place mm-hmm. to hold on. So it seems like that's a very kind, kind thing. That's right. And when we can't yeah. redirect the attention by holding on to that awareness, there's a more powerful way of doing it, which is to access the love, right? The love that is being sought, seek it and experience it. Seek it and experience it, not externally. but through that mentoring uh, interaction. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to this again. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for uh, Thanks, all of it. Thank you so much. Gesho. Gesho. Thanks for joining us, Brian. And Ashwini, I was struck by the, the depth of the looking and uh, compassion and the willingness to practice. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, remarkable that in the midst of uh, something that's momentous, that we can recognize how conditioning is torturing us and the self-hate and the conversation and then bring practice to that, right? Yes. 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 It's yeah. extraordinary. And Ashwini, we're going to break now for a good news update, and then we'll come back and talk with more callers. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Good News Updates with Living Compassion. I'm thrilled to be joined this afternoon by Teresa, who is here to give us some good news from Cantalomba. Welcome, Teresa. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you so much, Jen, and uh, I'm very glad and happy to be on the program today. Well, we are always so glad to have you on the program. I, I often say, because it's always true, that, you know, it's one thing for Sri Devi or me to to update folks on what's going on, um, but it's it's way more fun to get it, to hear it directly from you. So thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Tim. So there are always so many things um, to talk about in terms of the good news coming from Cantalomba. And as we have our weekly meetings, there are often things that will stand out. And then I just think to myself, wow, that's one of those things that just really demonstrates so many different aspects of what's so special about this project. And we had one of those recently with Benedette, who is one of our young women who is not on the academic track. She did not go to college after being in what we call high school. Instead, she went to a skills program. So, and she'll be finishing that skills program um, in the next few months, I think it is. So we were talking about her and our weekly call and sort of what's next for her and that sort of thing. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about about Bonadette, where she is, and what you have seen as you've talked to Bonadette about what she's hoping for and the next steps for herself. Sure, Jen, as you have said, Bonadette is one of uh, our girls in the program who did not finish high school and she has had a chance to go to a skills school. 
and she's doing catering right now at one of the skill schools uh, around Mushidi, the area where I live. Uh, she's doing very well, Jen, and very good. And uh, we often, I often see her as she passes through the property, going to going to school or coming back to school. And uh, it was on one of these Saturday meetings that we have here with the, all the girls that I was chatting to her about how school was going and uh, how she thinks about school. Then she suddenly told me that, wow, I'm so glad that I'm almost finishing school and I want to open up my own restaurant because I've had now the knowledge of uh, how to make things out of food. Any type of food I can do, I can cook. Right. Which is so incredibly fun. And and when you were saying that to me, I thought, wow, now that seems completely overwhelming <laughs> to open a restaurant. But what you were describing to me is what she's talking about is to start really, really small. Describe what she's envisioning to start off with. Yes, definitely, Jen, because uh, right now, uh, being a young uh, girl and uh, there's a huge market out there, we have big restaurants and stuff. She she brought this brilliant idea to me to say, you know what, Auntie T, I think I'll start small with a small store made out of uh, wood. Then I can uh, make that store right there at the center of Masala Market, which is a huge market here in Indola. You know, everyone goes to this market. can start small by buying just a few pots and making inshima and stuff. That way I'll grow. I'll grow to become one of the entrepreneurs of owning a big restaurant. Yeah, and, and one of the things that's so fun about that, so it, so she's going to, you know, literally make herself just buy the wood and build a very simple little, what we in this country would call kiosk, meaning mm-hmm. just a very simple structure where she's going to sell one thing, maybe make in Shima, which is the main thing that folks eat. And so it would be sort of like a, a place for people to stop for lunch as they're going around in their in their busy lives. And I know you we've talked before about a neighbor that you have who is a um, an entrepreneur and has been really successful and so knows a lot about business. So I know you were talking about getting Bonadette and this woman together to start to educate her about, you know, how to go about it and, and all of that. But one of the reasons I thought, I mean, just one of the many things that's so amazing about this story is that as we were talking about that and we were saying, okay, well, you know, Benedette, of course, doesn't have a bunch of money lying around and she's going to need some capital. She's going to need some quacha to get started. Where is that going to come from? And then Mm -hmm. we started to talk about Bonna Benedette. So remind folks, Teresa, about who Bonna Benedette is and how that all came together with with yes, Banda Benandet is uh, Benandet's mom. Here in Zambia, we call someone by their children's name. So you would hear Bana. Bana means uh, mother of uh, someone. So Banda Benandet is ma- generally the ma- mother to Benandet. Banda Benandet was given a loan by Living Compassion, uh, in which she paid so quickly. In such, in, in such a short period of time after being educated on business by, by Veronica and me, we could sit with her and uh, talk about business. I also introduced her to my neighbor, who's uh, the entrepreneur that Jen mentioned, and she went through with her 
on how to to save on how to look after your capital uh the profit and stuff and she did so well that it was so so overwhelming that we couldn't believe that she could do this in such a small uh, small small time small time and uh, in such a small period but she retained the money and uh, the the very good part is that Benedict would not need that much education on how to save and stuff because their mother was there with her and she confided in us telling when i sit i sit with my daughter when i make uh, something i i divide the money with my daughter i would tell her this is uh, the capital this is the profit that we have made and this is what we are going to save and benedict was saying i've learned that through my mother and i can also do that oh teresa i love it let me make sure i'm with you so as bona benedict who was a brand new entrepreneur herself right i remember and i think we talked about this you know this was like a year or so ago there was a this family you know she's a, a family in the cooperative really struggling um or sorry i should say in the living compassion program bona benedict is not in the cooperative um but benedict is one of the girls program girls and so you keep a close eye on all of those families and you said this family's really really struggling they had lost their dad there were a bunch of things that had happened and i remember you said you know i just feel like she's she's has such a great work motive motivation she really wants her business to 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 work but she doesn't have the capital she needs and so we had this idea why don't we just do a pilot thing just see you know give her a small micro loan and see how that goes and so what you're describing is after all this education and all the support for bona benedict she paid back that micro loan like in half the time i think of what she was given to pay it and i think what you're just saying now is that in that process she was with benedict with her daughter she was showing benedict what she was doing so she'd bring home the money that she made each day she'd show her the quacha here's the quacha we're going to use to pay for our evening meal and here's the quacha we're giving back to living compassion so in a sense benedict has already had hands-on education by seeing her mother go through the same process yes and that's correct she has seen that and i think she has taken that up that's why I think uh, she all got that idea of uh, doing her own restaurant because she knows she has the uh, the the, the hands-on information from her mom and we have given her that ability of that possibility to have to do her catering business then I think she can do it then given the loan she can do it well and then that's the last piece of it right so as you and Sri Devi and I were talking and before we had were remembering about her mom we were saying okay well so where is that money going to come from and then we realized oh my goodness this is so perfect because that money that bona benedict paid back so quickly is sitting in the the cooperative account and we haven't done anything with it because we were sort of looking at well i bet life is going to inform in terms of what's next for that money and then we realized oh that's so beautiful what might be next for that money is that benedict receives that money as a loan to start a restaurant yes yeah correct and uh, we can't wait for her to finish her her skills program once she's done and graduates then we'll have to sit down with her and everyone will be filled in whatever will be happening 
so exciting. And Teresa, when we were first talking about this, I don't know if you remember, but you were talking about how I was saying, wow, imagine how amazing this will be for Bana Benedette, that her daughter is going to receive this loan that she paid back to open her own business. And do you remember what you said about pecking on the shelf? Yes, Jen, definitely. It's uh, it's in a way we did uh, this picking of the shell. It was years back when we discussed that. I realized that uh, that this is what Bana Benedict is doing to our daughter. The daughter is picking on the shell and she's going to open up by giving her knowledge and uh, uh, going with her through everything. And Benedict will do that. She's picking right now. Yeah. So all she needs now is for the mom to open uh, to open the, the shell. So that she's exposed exposed to the to to to, to the world and exposed to Cantalomba, exposed to Ndola market. Yeah. yeah. Out to the do her own thing. Yeah. Once again, I mean we keep saying this with all of these young women who are college graduates and now are skills program graduates. You know, they have been pecking on their shelves. And so life is pecking right back, right? In the form of giving them loans, in the form of giving them all of that knowledge and that support. And they are now pioneers and they are such leaders for all, for their community, for the young people coming up behind them. And they're also going to be the support system for their entire families because as Benedette becomes successful in her business, that's going to become a really strong financial support for her whole family. It's incredible, the process. Yes, Jen, it is incredible. That's the beauty of the whole thing. It's like you, you, you give someone something and uh, they keep on getting these ideas. I can do this. I can do this. And the best part is that they do come to me to tell me and ask questions. That's so important. And I really think it's why this project is unique and so successful is that they know they have a leader who will listen to them, who's compassionate who's understanding, and who also is willing to give them that support and that push when they need it. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about this. It's incredibly inspiring as always. Thank you so much, everyone, and thank you so much, Jen, for having me on your program. And I'm happy to do it again and again and again because I love everyone out there. Good, because we're going to have you on again and again and again. <laughs> so I'm glad you're willing for it. All right. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you. And welcome back to Open Air. And Ashwini, that was extraordinary. That uh, Unbelievably inspiring. Yes, yes, that the Living Compassion team saw the potential in Benedette's mom, and then Benedette learned from her mom and it's just, she has the skills and she can see the possibility. And she's like, okay, let's go. Great. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Well, and, you know, it's that beautiful thing we always say in practice. It's always a yes and. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's not like it's not going to work. It's like, okay, well, let's see how we can make this happen and mm -hmm. open ourselves to how that unfolds because there's always a way. It's not yeah. that we know it necessarily, but that if we're open to it, then life informs how it's going to happen. And I think that's such a, as Jen keeps pointing out, that's a tremendous part of the project. There's never a no. 
And there's always a willingness to work with the information and keep saying, okay, well, what's the next step? What's the next step? I think that was the last article from Africa, in fact. The, the, we don't know. We never know. And yet, in, in being in the process, we are enlightened as to what the next step is that we have to take, that someone else has to take, that we've got to ask for, uh, for funding or assistance or whatever. And, and somehow or the other, life always comes up with the answer to the possibility. Yes. However, yes. It, however the outcome goes. Yes. 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 Wonderful. And the next step here is to bring on the next caller. Wonderful. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, Ashwini. This is Kevin calling from New Zealand. Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Kevin, we have a little bit of static. If I don't know if that's something that's possible to uh, control on your end. I'll try and do something about it. Okay. Well, actually, speaking louder helps, yes. Okay. Um, I can hear you over it. Okay. So I was just, I'm doing Q practice as well. I wanted to see um, what conditioning would do if I did the thing it least wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching the process leading up to getting onto the call and getting onto the queue and all of the, um, the, the stories and the voices about how I shouldn't and what will happen if I do. And um, mm -hmm. So really it's just an, uh, I'm taking the opportunity to go through that and see, just to see and witness what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. And it sounds like not just noticing what, what the reaction from ego would be, but but actually choosing to, um, to to practice with it, right? Which is not just yeah. noticing what conditioning is doing, but sort of being in the process that sort of often re refers to as being trustworthy, right? Where we mm -hmm. trust ourselves to be the kind of people who, no matter what conditioning says, we, we make the choice for our hearts. We make the choice for freedom. And yes. so to... To, to notice it, to commit to going through it, to watch it all, and to transcend it as well, right? Because the practice yes. of, of watching it is also transforming your ability to choose presence and practice and, and direct the attention rather than just going with it. Yes, it's, it feels like a choice to choose... Um, to be present in the moment and not in the conditioned world and mm -hmm. to go mm -hmm. with what the heart desires because this is something that I want to do, I, I want to participate and be a part of the mm -hmm. conversation. And that's mm -hmm. exactly that, that's right. Condition, conditioning wants the opposite of that. It wants me to stay away from that as far as possible. Um, that's right. That's, that's well, very clear. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's very clear. And, and Kevin, again, not to belabor the point, right? Because what we're doing in, this, in, in practicing this real, I project that's what you're proving to yourself is conditioning can say whatever it wants, but it's not going to interfere with me making my choice. 
In other mm-hmm. words, in that expanded awareness place, I am I'm able to see what the program what the program is doing, but that doesn't stop me from doing what the heart wants to do. Right. And that distance, that um, that experience is is something that uh, that's what conditioning wants us not to notice, right? If I'm telling you mm. that you cannot put yourself in the queue, that's the only reality that exists. And so I won't, yeah. I won't put myself in the queue. But if I can watch it and put myself in the queue, now the awareness is expanded for the possibility that we can execute on, uh, on the decision of our hearts. We could direct our attention. We could do, let life uh, uh, lead us, guide us, act through us, no matter what the voices are saying. Right. There's, there's nothing, a transformation. Right. There's nothing there in that place. There's nothing I can't do. Uh, or <laughs> there's nothing that conditioning can stop me from doing. That's right. Um, and that I, that I, that I might, yes, that, that's right. In that place, there's nothing that conditioning can stop me from doing. And that me that we're looking at is the intelligence that animates all, right? That's the authenticity. Yeah. And so it's one of the areas that that conditioning will get most, uh, I don't know, aggressive or active around. There are other areas in my life, but this is one uh, where it, it just seems to be um, very invested in me not uh, taking any action to, to call them, um, and I think it's partly because that that's weakening it, and uh, it just more me moving away from it, from conditioning and, and leaving right. it and listening to it. That's right. And so the place where it's most invested is the place where we know the work is, and that's why we choose to practice there. Right. right. That's really what you're training with. I've identified that this is the place. That if I do, if I do what conditioning tells me not to do, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to really pitch a fit. <laughs> so that's where I'm going to practice, and I'm going to watch it do whatever it wants to do, and then train to do what my heart wants to do, which is to participate, be part of the conversation. It, yes. I don't want to be talked out of my own life, right? Which right. Is exactly what he goes doing. And it, that's what exactly what it has done throughout most of my life yes. is to talk me out of things. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to think that I have been able to achieve the things that I have done up till now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I'll just keep practicing. And that too is that fabulous insight, right, um, right, Kevin, which is that, you know, life, life has a much, life executing, it, it sort of life happens despite ego, right? That's right. the wonder of it. Yeah. That and mm. now we have we can consciously participate in those places where it has ego has the biggest problem. Right. So now it becomes from selectively having the life I want to having all mm. of it, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Not ever being controlled by that conditioning that says here in this place you can have your life, in this place you cannot. Yeah, uh, it might be a good place to look to see. Where are those places where what happens when there's something I want to do and conditioning fights back against that, and then I do go through with it? Uh, this is an example today, but uh, other times I haven't practiced in the same way. It's just kind of 
I don't know, uh, life perhaps will, the willingness and just the, the mm-hmm. stronger desire to do something. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that's right. Right, mm. that's exactly right. So to watch it all, right? To watch, to watch, to be curious about it in the places where there is no active resistance, where you can't be talked out of it, or there are the places where there's very active resistance and you can be talked out of it, but the process is the same. And so it's yeah. a, this cue practice is such a safe place to practice in the sense of what you're, what you're putting yourself into the cue for is a practice arena and it's a safe place. It's a safe place to practice. And then mm. once you see the process in that content, in that safety, then there is the ability to train with it everywhere because the process is the same. Yeah. Life arises, ego wants to shut it down. Life arises, mm. ego wants to shut it down. No participation, no participation, no participation. Mm. And if you're clear how that happens in one content, it's likely that it happens in the same way in, the other con- in all other content. Maybe slight yeah. nuances, but the process mm. is the same. And so once you recognize yeah. it and have success in going up against it, going through it, staying with the sensations in one place, then it becomes available our confidence grows in other places. Mm. Yes. Mm. Good. Well, thank you, Ashwini. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Good to practice. Gotcha. Yes, good to practice. Gotcha. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. And that willingness is uh, extraordinary, Ashwini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have another caller here. Next caller, you are live on the air. Please introduce yourself. Hi, Michael and Ashwini. It's Tracy. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Tracy. Hi. I'm just. I've just stepped outside. Let me walk in where there's a little bit of a breeze out here. Um, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the time. Um, <laughs> I have so much to say, and I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm also in Q practice, and the, the focus this week on the, the year-long focus around um, holy perfection. Perfection. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I noticed yesterday that even... Yeah, I, like even practicing with holy perfection, I saw so much karma. Um, you, you know, and, and you know, just feeling a little bit off yesterday, and it just felt like things were a little bit foggy, and and I just kept re-listening and re-listening, and recorded a Schwinney reading, the Simon, and and that whole thing, and I'm doing the practices, and I'm recording like how well like how perfect life is and yet there's this person that's like efforting 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 <laughs> and then I thought like oh my gosh this is this is exactly what it is that that everything it works out in life except for this person <laughs> there's like something not right with her uh-huh so, Tracy, I, I'm actually not following what you're saying, but so let me try to reflect. Be, because okay. what I heard you say is, the you're, lis- you're listening to the recording, you're listening to a recording on holy perfection, 
you're recording and still there is an awareness of a dissonance between the perfection of life and a judgment of where there is a lack of perfection? Exactly, yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so it was just like laid out so well in, you know, there's a lack of perfection that I'm not getting it as quickly as ego wants, a lack of perfection mm-hmm. that I don't feel, you know, the expansive way that I feel typically in doing practice recordings. Therefore, I must not be getting it. And the um, dissonance around, um, yeah, there, it's, um, it's, yeah. So it, hang it, on a second, it, Tracy, because I think you yeah. just broke, the, broke it open, right? Because... Yeah. If you in, in the assignment, right? The the write up basically says perfection in the ego reality is always some ideal that is experienced by comparing whatever you're having right now to that ideal and finding it lacking. So yeah, it's always relative perfection because it's compared against yeah. an ideal. So what I'm hearing you yeah. say is the, the 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 process that causes suffering is there is supposed to be a feeling. If I'm listening to a recording that is a practice recording, if I'm recording and listening, I need to feel expansive. If I'm not feeling expansive, then I'm not having the right experience, and therefore it's not perfect. Yep. Yep, yeah. Sunny, this is my and life. So, <laughs> this is my well, type. I, I would this say my world. This, well, and Tracy, I would project that that process is true for everybody, right? Because... Yeah. The, because we, we have a conditioned perspective of the ideal. If I'm a spiritual person, this is, what it, this is the experience I should be having. If I'm the good person, this is the experience of life I should be having. Right? So it's always conditional. A la a couple of conversations ago, if, if I'm not feeling this way, then there's something wrong, which is an important insight to have because it tells us where the work is. It's not, I'm not, when I record, I'm not recording to get to expansion. When I record, I'm, I'm recording to get to presence, right? We have to break that, yeah. uh, that association between feeling and perfection. And so yeah. then you get excited about, oh, I hear, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling um, sort of off or this is not good or it's judgment. Turn and face that. Is that so? Because that too is perfect. The recording becomes yeah. this, this feeling of discomfort is also perfect. Where's the perfection in it? I have to be with this experience in order for, for me to know it's perfection. But if I'm outside of the experience, I'm judging it, right? And so to notice that the attention yeah. has gone to the process of judgment, to the process of there's something wrong, and if my attention is on something wrong, of course my experience will be there's something wrong. It is imperfect because I'm in the, in, in the duality between perfect and imperfect. I'm in the conditioned world. Yeah. And Asini, so I appreciate how you laid that out. And what, I'm, what I really notice is I, I feel like I'm um, more skilled at practicing that with another person. And that place of that holding that space in that... Um, compassion and you know just knowing that like within that space 
you know, it just it unfolds and everything is 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 perfect. And it's that holding that space for myself is definitely um, where I I'm seeing needs to. Yeah. Well, or once again, there's a condition, right? In order for that to be my experience, I have to hold the space for me, and I can't hold the space for me. And yeah. or possibly just simply, I'm uncomfortable. So? Yeah. Right? It's not, it's, 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 it's a very interesting place, right, Tracy, because perhaps the practice then is just being able to be with discomfort. I think we've had this conversation a couple of times, right? That part of the yeah. coping strategy is to move away from the feeling of discomfort. If, yeah. if we use our recording practice as a way of moving away from discomfort in order to experience expansion, we're still distracting ourselves. Right. So I, ha- I want to move towards my discomfort. Gosh, this feels awesome. This is just what is going on for me? And expand the, I mean, just talk about it, talk about that, and, and, and be with the unease, be with the discomfort. Yeah. Yes, this is what, this is what I needed to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard one. It's a hard one because we're so conditioned in the opposite direction, right? Yeah. Because discomfort is a very small space, and there's no space to be in it. I mean, conditioning makes sure of yeah. that, right? So if I, I, in order to get there, I have to expand my awareness. Yeah. So the very process of being with it explodes it. Eventually, if we play with it. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I can see just over, especially this year, in this year's practice, like I I can see how there's been so much letting go of distraction. Um, Like, like, yeah, I think a lot of stuff has fallen away. um, And they're just, there's, I think there's just like deep, yeah, it's, it's like it feels like it's the ball's unwinding, and there's still a, there's still kind of a deep more thing unwinding. that needs to. Yeah, there's more unwinding. Yeah, it just feels like a lot of the behaviors have unwinded, and I think just that, really, just staying with the sensations and, um, yeah, there's just some, there's something, there's yeah, there's some more. Mm-hmm. And since we're almost at, we are at the end of the show, Tracy, I will say yes. Say that 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 trust the process, right? It, trust the it's process. It's yep. you this okay. far away from all these distractions. Trust the process. Life will guide you yeah. inexorably to the heart. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Tracy. Thanks for joining us, Tracy. And again, Ashwini, that was another extraordinary conversation, and uh, I'm very grateful to be mm-hmm. part of it. Me too, Michael. Thank yeah. you very much, and thank you for making it possible every week. Yes, thank you, Ashwini, and thank you, everyone. Go happy. Go happy. <laughs>